0: We are at war. With those words, President Macron of France put his country on notice that peacetime living is over for now. We are at war with the coronavirus. Boris Johnson, in his televised address on Monday evening, said, we will beat coronavirus and we will beat it together. It was a peacetime call to arms, a call to stay at home and to save lives. A call to help our NHS, a call to go to war on the virus that is wreaking havoc throughout the world. So I wanted today to turn to a psalm that many people have turned to throughout the ages in a time of war and trouble. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And I want to look at this psalm because it is not just a psalm about being at peace in the midst of war, although it is that. No, we're going to look at it because it is a psalm about God being at war in the midst of war. When God goes to war, what happens? What happens in the world and what is God doing? There is a war on, Psalm 46 says, but maybe not the war we think is on. Here is war coming from the throne of God himself. What happens when God goes to war in all the wars of the earth? I want to look at three wartime snapshots in this beautiful psalm. Three pictures of war. Number one, a world on its knees, verses one to three. Number two, a king in his city, verses four to seven. And number three, a war to end all wars, verses eight to 11. A world on its knees, a king in his city and a war to end all wars. There are actually only two commands in this psalm and they come towards the end. They're there in verse 8 and verse 10 in the third snapshot. So here is what the psalmist is saying. Here's what he's doing. Stand in my wartime gallery and look at picture number one. A world on its knees, verses 1 to 3. And then turn from the darkness of that picture to the light of picture 2. A king in his city, verses 4 to 7. And once you've stared at those two pictures, here's what I want you to do, verse 8. Come behold the works of the Lord. And verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Come and look and be quiet and know. Do you know how to look at a world on its knees? Do you know how to look at a king in his city and see the works of the Lord? Do you know how to look at God at war and to shut your mouth and be quiet? Stop speaking and listen. Can you hear him? Stop what you're doing and look. Can you see him? Number one. A world on its knees. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We've used the word unprecedented, haven't we, in these last few weeks more than I've ever heard the word used any other time. These are exceptional times unparalleled days except of course we forget that at many times and in many different ways people before us have already experienced the world brought to its knees we, we don't know here in the psalm whether this was an actual experience of trouble but the writer is clearly able to conceive isn't he to, to conceive of the very fabric of the universe tearing apart Look how he does it. The earth, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains move into the heart of the sea. It is such a powerful word picture. Derek Kidner says, here's why it's powerful. It takes the two things that are most unchangeable and impregnable, the earth and the mountains... It's true, isn't it? The earth is just always there and the mountains are just always invincible. And it sets those two things over against the one thing in the world that is restless and menacing, the sea. And it imagines that great menace overwhelming the unchangeable and the impregnable. An earthquake giving way to a tsunami. That's the picture, isn't it? It is the shock in these verses of the always present object being absent. The unshakable rock becoming like jelly. The thing that is always there and always safe and always reliable and always trustworthy being taken away. This is a worst case scenario world, isn't it? Like getting out of bed in the morning and there being just no ground beneath your feet to stand on. Psalm 104 God set the earth on its foundations, it doesn't slip. It is set like a cornerstone. The mountains rise above the sea. They don't slide into the sea. And God gives the sea its appointed place. It has a boundary. It licks the fountains of the mountains. Mountains don't tremble, do they, as seas lap their shores. So Imagine a world where all of that is undone, where creation goes back on itself, when everything fixed and firm and solid and safe and secure is taken away from under your feet. If that happened, if you woke up one day in a world like that on its knees, what would you do? Many of us know this. You've lost the rock in your lives. Many of us know this. Eleven years ago, Matthew Paris, a journalist, wrote a beautiful short essay, I do not want to get over my father's death. It took me perhaps a couple of years to begin fully to understand, with an intensity that grew, that the world changed when he died. There was still a big gap where he had been and that it was not going to close over. And now, five years later, I see that it never will. Now, never a week Passes, hardly a day passes when I do not remember him. Something, someone has been taken away. Something fixed, immovable that you thought would last forever is gone. Maybe you've had that with your health. With a job, with a loved one, with circumstances around you, where the world the, the very foundations of your world just seem to shift and slide under your feet, the heavens come crashing down, and everything you you thought was safe and secure is gone. That's why we've used this word unprecedented. For these days of COVID-19, most of us have never lived through something like this. Our healthcare system and healthcare professionals throughout the world pushed to breaking point. Normal, ordinary life has been interrupted cataclysmically. And who knows about the economic fallout to follow? Is this not a world on its knees? Picture number two. A king in his city. Imagine all the noise and the crashing and the turmoil of mountains collapsing into a roaring sea. You're you're in gallery number one in the Imperial War Museum. But now you move to gallery number two, verses four to six. And the music changes and the lights go up. Do Do you feel the difference? Verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Instead of waters roaring and foaming and swelling and destroying, here is water flowing steadily, calmly. Water brought trembling in verse 3, but now it brings gladness in verse 4. In the ancient world, great cities were built on the shores of great rivers. And so it is with God's city here. A river flowed out of Eden. A river will flow through the new Jerusalem, we're told in the book of Revelation. A river in a city means transport. It means drink. It means wholeness and fullness and health and supply. Cleansing. And the reason the water is like this in this city is because it is God's city. The Most High God lives here. He is the chief resident of the city and the person makes the place. We know that, don't we? This city is impregnable, not because of its granite, but because God lives there. You notice how in verse 5, the very heart of the psalm, we have this phrase, She shall not be moved. She shall not be moved. It links back to verse 2 where the mountains move into the sea, but here is a city that cannot be moved. Mountains move, but this city cannot be moved. It's a stunning picture. It's why the psalm opens with the word God, God. When our world falls apart, there is one place. One place only that never moves, never moves a millimetre, and that is where God lives. And it doesn't move a millimetre because God is there. When the earth quakes, God doesn't quake. When mountains are moved, God doesn't move. When seas roar and foam and tremble, God doesn't tremble. You can't shake God with an earthquake. You can't move him with a bomb. You can't fly an aeroplane into him. Like 9-11, God cannot get the coronavirus. He is unshakable, immovable. He is not scared of anything or anyone. See, it's why verse one doesn't open with God plus health is our refuge and strength or God plus medicine or God plus vaccinations are our refuge and strength. No, simply God. God alone. He is our refuge and strength because only he and only he alone cannot be moved. Everything else can move, but not him, not him. And look at the extent of God's immovability, friends, not just that the earth moves and he doesn't, but look at verse six. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. We've moved, haven't we, here in this second wartime picture, we've moved from natural violence to national violence, from the uproar of nature to the unrest of the nations, and none of it unsettles God and his city, none of it. The nations of the earth cannot lay siege to his city, they cannot breach the walls of his city. It is a picture of the kingdoms of the earth at war with each other and at war against God. And all he has to do is open his mouth, raise his voice, and it would all be over. It's a beautiful picture. This is the king of all the earth in his city. Here in Psalm 46, this is the earthly Jerusalem. But for us today, with the Lord Jesus Christ as our king, as God's risen King, ruling from the heavenly Jerusalem, we need to know there is an impregnable command room for the whole universe. There is a place of calm, of gladness, which no pandemic or global crisis, global panic can ever shake. If we are in Christ, friends, if we are in Christ, then our life is Hid with Christ in God. We are in the very place of safety inside Christ's hand and inside the Father's hand. We are not just in the King's city, but we are in the King himself. Look at the way the Psalm shows us how close we are to Him. Verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want you just to look at that verse keep your eye on it. Do you notice the surprise? God is named here in this verse with great care, the Lord of hosts. This is God's military name. He is a king in his city because hosts are armies. He is the God of armies. He is a powerful God, but he is also a personal God, the God of Jacob, the God who chooses people by name to be his special possession. But Look at the surprising reversal. Wouldn't we expect the military name, the Lord of hosts, to go with fortress? And the personal name to go with intimacy with us. But instead, look, here's what one commentator says. We get intimacy with the warrior God and we get defense from the family friend. Isn't that beautiful? We get intimacy with the warrior God. The Lord of hosts is with us. And we get defence from the family friend. The God of Jacob is our fortress. A powerful God befriends. And a personal God protects. You have a king at your side and a friend on the throne. In all this upheaval, in all this uncertainty, as the very ground gives way under your feet, you have a king at your side And a friend on the throne. And so we need to finish with this, friends. We need to come to this, the third picture. Verses 8 to 11. It's as if the psalmist takes us from these two rooms in the gallery where we've been looking at these wartime images of a world melting down and a king ruling, ruling immovably. And in verses 8 to 11, he turns the camera on us. Looks us in the eye and he says... Over to you now. What are you going to do about this? Everything I've been showing you. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond? Will you come and see God's works? And will you quieten and know God himself? That's what I want you to do here in this psalm. As you have Psalm 46 open in front of you. The writer is saying. And friends as you're listening. Watching this today. As you have the news on around you, on your TV, on your phone, the rest of today, whatever it is streaming into your house every day through this global time of panic and crisis, as you are looking at your life on hold in a hundred ways, as you experience the rising anxiety over health and finances, somebody has pointed out, as all of this happens, somebody has pointed out that the coronavirus is the first pandemic unfolding on social media. We all see it on a global scale in a way that we've never experienced any other global crisis before. It's kind of a mixed blessing, of course, isn't it? Because it creates panic on the one hand. But I want to suggest here it is also the fact that this is unfolding on a visual global scale in front of our eyes. I want to suggest it is also helping us obey the command of verse 8. Come see. Come behold The works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. We are seeing desolations on the earth, aren't we? Psalm 46 is saying to us, can you see these desolations? Friends, here's the thing to reflect carefully on. As the works of the Lord. When you were standing there in Gallery 1, verses 1 to 3, did you see natural disaster only? Earth giving way, mountains moving, sea roaring, or did you see the works of the Lord? When you were standing there in gallery two, looking at a king in his city, but the nations of the world raging around him, did you see national uproar only? Or did you see the works of the Lord? Friends, we will not look at what is happening. Outside the walls of our home and in this world right now, we will not look at it rightly unless we know there is a king immovable in his city who is moving the earth. And he is moving the earth, melting the world for a reason. See, here's how I think this whole psalm works. Here's how it all comes together. There is a promise in this final picture, verses 8 to 11. Did you notice it? A promise, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. That's the second command, but here's the promise. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Friends, whatever happens in the whole of world history from day one to the very last day when God calls time, when the heavens are rolled up like a scroll and we enter eternity forever from the first day until the last day, God has promised that he will be exalted among the nations everywhere in all the earth. Today, right now, in the midst of all our fears and all our worry and the huge global meltdown, God has promised he will be exalted. So here's what I think this beautiful psalm, this psalm of immense comfort for God's people. Here's what I think it is doing. It is both warning us as well as comforting us. It is warning us as well as comforting us. It is doing two things at once. It is saying, isn't it, God will have no competitors for his throne. He will ultimately brook no rivals. He is king and him alone. And sometimes to show that, to display that, to give his warring, fractious, fractured world the opportunity to know that he and he alone is king. Sometimes, friends, God sends desolations on the earth. Friends, the Lord of armies is with us. The Lord of armies is with us. Oh, it is a fearful thing. A fearful thing to have a warrior God. The God of armies. Can you see his works? Psalm 46 is saying, open your eyes, scan the world. Can you see him? And have you laid down your arms to know him? See, that this final picture, verses 8 to 11, it is a picture of God's war to end all wars, isn't it? In all the world's turmoil, God is the one who can end it all. He has the power to end it all. Look at verse 9. He can break the bow. That's the enemy's long-distance weapon. He can shatter the spear. That's a close-combat weapon. He can burn the chariot. That is the ultimate weapon. There is nothing, in other words, in all the world that God cannot break and put a stop to. That's the point. When God goes to war, peace is the outcome, but war is the process. Peace is the outcome, but war is the process. And sometimes, sometimes God makes war on the world to bring peace. To bring the kind of peace that just leaves you dead in your tracks, leaves you stopped staring, thinking, reflecting, pondering, wrestling. Douglas Murray, writing in The Spectator a couple of days ago, he said this about uh, where we are just now in world history. Now we are into the second, perhaps even less glorious stage of this coronavirus crisis. In which, in this second stage, in which we have to all sit in our solitude and hope that the storm blows over us. And now is a good time to ask the question, how do we spend our time well? That question is one we ought to ask more throughout our lives. But the truth is, most of us tend to ask it only at moments of personal crisis, when a job or relationship suddenly ends or a loved one dies. Or we might add, as the world goes, on to standby. When Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still, be still, this is not actually a comforting word for the harassed. This is not... The Bible's version of getting a cup of tea, sitting yourself down and engaging in mindfulness. No, Psalm 46 verse 10 is a rebuke, isn't it? This is a rebuke to the restless, always running, always rushing, always striving world. To a world at war, living without any, any second thought for its creator. This is... A word of rebuke to a world spinning, a globe spinning, thinking that it is in charge. It can do what it wants as often as it wants with whoever it wants. Verse 10 is the same command, isn't it? As the Lord Jesus Christ, to the wind and the waves, peace, be still, stop. Who do you think you are? I'm in charge here see, verse 10 is the descent, isn't it, of unexpected calm on a restless world. It's like our streets at the minute. If you go out your door, I'm sure it's the same where where you live. It's all gone quiet. Everything is silent. Our city feels like it is in mourning. Everything is closed. No one is out. Activity has ceased. And the world has gone quiet because God has raised his voice uttered his voice will we see his works and heed his voice and know him personally so I want to ask us again Trinity Church family you've heard me say this several times in the past few weeks I want to ask us again are you coming to God with new humility fresh humility just now Are you finding things stripped away and in the frustrations and inconvenience and irritation and interruptions? Are you coming to God humbly? What is God making war on? Our pride. Our pride. Listen to C.S. Lewis. The Christians are right. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Other vices may sometimes bring people together. You may find good fellowships and joke, fellowship and jokes and friendliness among drunken people or unchaste people. But pride always means hostility or conflict. And not only hostility between man to man, but hostility to God. Maybe God is making war in the world on his oldest enemy right now. The first sin, the greatest sin. Pride Is there new conflict in your home just now because of lockdown? If there is, it is because of pride. It's not that all of a sudden we are sinning more. Don't don't give in to that temptation. It's not that we're sinning more. It's that we're seeing our sin more. It's being exposed. Be still and know that I am God means that you are not God and I am not God. That's the point. Maybe God is making war on our love of being in control. Our love of having everything we need in life just the way we want it. Maybe God is making war on the way we're destroying the earth and eradicating the unborn and removing the weak and the vulnerable from our society. Maybe the world is on its knees because we've put ourselves on the throne. We've taken the whole project of being a creature in God's word, God's world and said to God, we'll take it from here. You shove off. We'll crack on. We've got this. Oh, friends. Look again at verse 10. God's promises are never in vain, never empty. I will be exalted in the earth. Friends, it, it will happen. In one way or another, it will. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven And on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It will happen. It's amazing, isn't it, in the Bible. When men and women meet angels, they are terrified. Terrified to the point of death. If that is what it is like to meet an angel, what would it be like to have God himself... With you. God with us. The Lord of hosts with us. See, hell is not the absence of God. Hell is the presence of God, but without a mediator. Without sanctuary, without a refuge, without a shelter, without somebody to shelter you. Brothers and sisters, no man or woman can endure God. Unless we come to him in Jesus, safe in Jesus. Unless we come to God on bended knee in Christ his king. Living in his city with the king as the ruler of the city, as our ruler. Psalm 46 says, flee to God now today. Come to God in Jesus. Know him as our refuge and strength. Know him so that the warrior God can also be our God, the Lord of hosts, also the God of Jacob, the God of armies, our family friend. So may it be. Amen. I want to give you the benediction as we finish. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace. Amen. Sam works. Here's how it all comes together. There is a promise in this final picture verses 8 to 11. Did you notice it? A promise. Verse 10. Be still and That I am God. That's the second command. But here's the promise: I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Friends, whatever happens in the whole of world history, from day one to the very last day, when God calls time, when the heavens are rolled up like a scroll, and we forever, from the first day until the last day, God has promised that exalted among the nations, everywhere, in all the earth. Today, right now, in the midst of all our fears and all our worry and the huge global meltdown, God has promised he will be exalted. So here's what I think this beautiful psalm, this psalm of immense comfort for God's people, here's what I think it is doing. It is both warning us as well as comforting us. It is warning us as well as comforting us. It is doing two things at once. It is saying, isn't it, God will have...